Welcome, Suns fans. This is John, and he's Matthew. Hey. And this is another edition of the Suns Jam Session Podcast. We're super excited that you decided to press play and hang out with us for the next about hour or so. Remember, as always, you can subscribe to this podcast on the Bright Side of the Sun Podcast Network. You can follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at Suns Jam. Stop by the Facebook page. Stop by SunsJamSession.com. And email the show at sunsjamsession at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Darth Voida. You can follow Matthew on Twitter. At Matthew Lissy. Just don't follow us home. That's all we ask, man. That's all we ask. <laughs> Looking so you forward. say, yeah. Oh, you want to be followed home, huh? Maybe. Okay. Well, I mean, you can maybe follow Matthew home. Definitely don't you, follow me. You'll find, you'll find out if you follow me home to the front door, I'll let you know if you can come in or not. <laughs> That's ever so uh, hospitable of you, Matthew. <laughs> well, I got, I got to start off this podcast by first and foremost saying it's official, Matthew. This is the longest we've had a podcast name. Aren't you excited? It is. Yeah, I'm very excited. This is, man, this is groundbreaking. <laughs> I know. We actually did it. So for those of you who don't know the history of our podcast, on November 4th, that's actually when we started the podcast, just in my garage, and we were the Solar Report podcast back then, and we did that for three months. Then after that time, we were actually absorbed by the Bright Side of the Sun podcast network, and we changed our name to the Suns Report podcast, and we did that for 72 days. And then in the middle of the pandemic, when everybody's getting stir crazy and we were cranking out podcasts and talking to each other about top three lists and going down the Michael Jordan documentary uh, rabbit hole, we realized that the Suns Report was just kind of a lame name, right? Yeah, it was. It was kind of just something that we needed for the second, but Jam Session, you hit me with that one. That one hit really good, dude. So that's probably going to be ours that's for it. a long time, oh, that's right? That's it. You know, it's, it's Suns Jam Session, John and Matthew, and it's officially been 91 days since we changed our name to the Suns Jam Session podcast. So to all of our Jamster listeners, we thank you for supporting the show and continuing to engage with us, whether it be on social media or giving us mailbag questions. We truly appreciate it. And Suns Jam Session is here to stay. So thank you, everybody. Really appreciate that. Uh, we have a really fun show for you today. We're actually going to be welcoming from Canis Hoopus, which is the Minnesota Timberwolves uh, SB Nation site, somebody who wrote a fantastic article about Devin Booker, and that is Jack Borman. He's actually going to be joining the show, calling in. Uh, so we'll go to that here momentarily. And then following that, we'll go and discuss a few more things related to the Suns uh, prior to finishing off the show. So sound like a good game plan, Matthew? Excited for this one? Yes, it sounds perfect, and I can't wait to get it started. Amen. And it's always nice to have a caller come into the show and have somebody with experience and a different perspective on things. So looking forward to that. But I can't talk sons at all unless I'm cracking open uh, a nice cold beer. So all right, let's talk sons, baby. Welcome to the Suns Jam Session to Jack Borman coming all the way from Minneapolis proper. How you doing, Jack? I'm doing well, guys. How are you doing? Good. Thanks for joining. Yeah, absolutely, man. I appreciate you having me. We got to start doing that. We got to start calling it Phoenix proper. That's got to be like a Midwest <laughs> thing. I've, I haven't heard that before. People always, people always ask, oh, like, where, we're outside of Minneapolis or where, whatever. And so it's, it's always just kind of been, been a thing here. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, we decided to have you on the show and we're super uh, humbled that you're joining us. You are writing, writing for Canis Hoopus, which is the Timberwolf SB Nation 
website and how long you been doing that for? Um, I've been doing that actually. It, it was pretty recent. Um, so I joined there, um, at the end of May. Okay. Um, so been there, been there almost two months, uh, but it's been, it's, it's been, it's, it's been a lot of fun so far. So. Yeah. I know that Matthew actually just started writing for bright side of the sun this past week. And I've been there since about March and we've been doing our podcast with them since about, uh, middle of February. So, you know, as people, I think we're all big basketball fans. It's awesome to have an opportunity to kind of talk about our teams. And we were talking about it uh, a couple days ago, how, you know what I like about the Timberwolves? They're a team that I don't despise. Yes. <laughs> you know? Yeah, like, very true. We've always loved them, right? Even yeah. when the Kevin Garnett days and Stephon Marbury. It's a lovable yeah. loser, that's for sure. Yeah, exactly. So if we're going to trade Devin Booker, this is a perfect spot for him to go to because we, we would still love him if he ended up there. I know, I'd, I'd allow it. Yeah, me too. Yeah, it's better than the Knicks, dude. Don't oh, like when oh, Leon yeah. Rose went. There were the cat to New York. I mean, that crowd oh. is that crowd is tough to deal with. Yeah, that would be brutal sure. because <laughs> yeah, if he goes there, I don't, I don't even know what he's gonna do when he ends up getting there because he's gonna have to be like a leader of a team, and I don't think he wants to be the leader of the Knicks. If you're gonna go from one one loser to another, might might as well be like the Minnesota Timberwolves. <laughs> yeah, yeah, obviously with 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 just the opportunity for upward mobility and from a standing standpoint. Yeah, um, I yeah I can't I can't imagine he'd request a trade specifically to go anywhere else. But um, but that's also that's also a little bit of the wolves optimist in me. But yeah, well that's. <laughs> It's good to be an optimist. And I think that, uh, you know, one of the reasons we're having you on our pod is because you wrote a fantastic article, 4,200 words, analysis of Devin Booker's game. So if you're listening to the pod and you haven't checked it out, hop over to canishoopus.com and you can see Jack's, you know, dossier of everything that is Devin Booker, breaking down his strengths and his weaknesses. And I guess the first question I got for you is what inspired you to actually go down that rabbit hole and how much did you know about <laughs> Devin Booker prior to that? Um, so kind of what inspired me to go down that rabbit hole was, I think it was last week, last week, maybe Tuesday or Wednesday, uh, Ian Begley wrote, or he wrote some, I mean, it was the smallest little bit about how Devin Booker was irritated that the Suns front office didn't go after D'Angelo Russell last summer. Um, and obviously, you know, Wolves fans, I think just have just become obsessed with this idea that you know, now that we have two somewhat stars, mm -hmm. you know, we could potentially go get a third guy that, that would fit just because, I mean, obviously they're very good friends. And so um, some people that follow me on Twitter were kind of asking, oh, what do you think of this? Do you think this is somewhat realistic? Do you think, you know, a Booker trade is on the horizon? What do you think it would look like? Just because uh, even with the previous site that I wrote for, I've been someone that kind of likes to dive into um, likes to dive in what transactions might look like in addition to just more CBA stuff, how it works, the, mm -hmm. the kind of science behind it and, and different stuff like that. And so people kind of asked me for my thoughts, my opinions about it. And I started thinking about it, replied to a few different people on Twitter. And I said, you want to know what? We haven't had Wolves basketball in four and a half months <laughs> and we're not going to have Wolves basketball yeah. for another four and a half months. And I said, what the hell? Um, so I just started looking into clips about it and, and really wanted to make sure that I framed it from a, Hey, this is really unlikely to happen mm -hmm. because of how complicated everything with a potential trade would have to be. Um, and then just really started diving into his game and just kind of started thinking like, wow, this guy is so much better offensively than pretty much anybody outside of Phoenix thinks that he is. Yeah. Um, and just the more, the more that I got into, I was like, uh, I just was blown away by how many different strengths I saw in such, you know, a relatively short amount of time. I think I watched three or four full games and then just dived into a bunch of different 
highlights good and bad um and and just kind of kept going with it and and just was having so much fun with it and just kind of it was exciting myself at at the prospect of even potentially being mentioned <laughs> having the Timberwolves being mentioned in the same kind of breath as Devin Booker wanting to come here potentially um and, and just kind of ran with it and and you know wanted to try and do as complete a job as I could and 4200 <laughs> 4200 words later there Ooh. there we were yeah. Um, and, and I knew too that since it was so unrealistic, I would want to focus more on, you know, what's more set in stone. Mm -hmm. And that's just that he's a phenomenal basketball player uh, that, that I think is, is severely underrated in the, in kind of the more national, national scope of, of, of yeah. NBA coverage. Yeah, spot on. So what did you find the most interesting and uh, impressive aspect of Booker's game? Um, so for me, like, obviously I think most people know that he's a really, really good shooter um, and that, you know, he can, he can fill it up from just about anywhere. But what, what really intrigued me was just how good he was with his footwork, his body control and the, and his different ball fakes and head fakes were incredible. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot of guys who I think, especially guards that squander the opportunity to go and attack a big guy that gets switched onto him, whether you run, you know, some type of two, five pick and roll or, or, or a handoff action, something to switch mm -hmm. a big onto him and just how patient and just meticulous he was in the way he went about attacking those bigger defenders, um, you know, putting, you know, shot fake and getting him in the air. And then, you know, his two dribbles hard left and a step back. I saw him do that so many times. Mm -hmm. um, it's just with his, I mean, and then in the post too, with his, his different post footwork and his body control on fadeaways and, and somehow going straight up while fading, like, you know what I mean? In the sense yeah. that he's fading away, yeah. he's not leaning back. He keeps his chest up and, and yeah. is still able to just keep his body control. And, and two, you know, when he, he gets hit in midair, his ability to kind of keep his eyes on the rim and, and finish through contact were, were the things that were just crazy impressive to me for a guy that's 23 and, and what's what really I think thinking about where it came from too is like he was really mostly just a shooter when he was at Kentucky mm -hmm. and and that's a guy who I think that either he realized it or the people around him realized that hey this guy's a really really good shooter and if he can improve different footwork and shot fakes he's going to be able to to just kind of weaponize his shooting skill not to shoot the ball but to open up other ways to attack for him whether it be on the floor uh, or on the, on the dribble and, and creating for others or just, you know, trying to, trying to score off the dribble, um, which just is a huge testament to how hard he works and, and, the, and the skill development that he's done over the last four or five years. It's nice to somebody outside of Phoenix actually sees it because, you know, every time any list comes out or any, you know, the all-star game and things of that nature, as Suns fans, we always kind of become frustrated because we feel like we see it game in, game out. It's like, why does no one else see it? I mean, the guy's putting up 26 and six every night and nobody really understands. It. And I'm really, you know, glad that you took the time to take a look at a few of his games and see what his strengths and uh, you know, how, how do you see that kind of fitting within the scheme that Minnesota runs from an offensive standpoint? Yeah. So Minnesota loves to run a ton of, a ton of handoff actions and high pick and rolls. And mm -hmm. so what I noticed was that a lot of times, especially when there would be a slower five that would be guarding Deandre Ayton, or even a slower guard that would be guarding Devin Booker is they'd run a really, really high ball screen 
and, de- and to just get Devin going downhill because he's a lot more athletic, I think, off the dribble than people give him credit for, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when he gets going downhill, attacking the rim, he's really, really good at, at finding open guys or, or just finishing in traffic. Uh, and so that's something that I think would, would happen all the time with Cat, whether Cat would want to pop back out or roll to the rim. Um, and then having, having a spot-up shooter like D'Angelo Russell or, uh, you know, or Jake Lehman in a corner ready to, ready to fire a three if, if you know, the, the driving lane gets closed off there. I think that he would be used really, really well in high ball screens. Um, but two in handoff actions. You know, there were a lot of times where he would, he would come accept a, a handoff from, from someone like Aaron Baines. Maybe he gets a side pin down from, from Dario Saric and, and kind of flies around the three-point arc and then – and then takes a takes a handoff from from Aaron Baines, kind of at like the kind of at like the elbow, and then yeah. just curls around it and is just getting going downhill to the rim. Uh, it was was just something that was really really crazy impressive. And and two then once I started to notice that teams would kind of kind of game plan for that, and whether it be kind of kind of have the guy who's guarding kind of yeah. guarding the guy who's giving the handoff would kind of mm-hmm. slide up the line a little bit to try and cut him off receiving it. He would just stop and then kind of flare back in the direction that he was coming from and shoot an open three or uh, just really make guys pay for, for over committing or under committing because, you know, when you're such a good shooter, but also so good at attacking the rim and getting downhill, you kind of have to choose one. You can't guard both. And if you try and kind of sit back and, and kind of guard both at the same time, he's just going to take it. And he's got such a quick release and, and such a quick spot up motion that, that he can just let it fly. Uh, and so primarily in those two ways, I think would be, would be really interesting. Uh, and, and also in the post too, I think would be, would be something that would be cool, especially if they used him at the point guard, you know, he's what, six, five, six, six. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And if you get, and if you get a smaller guy out there, guarding him he'll put him on his back and, and just back him down in the post and he's got such a good post fadeaway and and is just really strong down there to a point where he can just overpower guys even that, that are his size too so uh, I I would say that the the, the three main ways I, I would see Minnesota using him would be in, in handoffs and pick and rolls and then and then trying to, to play make or, or score from the post so with We'll say like Booker does join the Wolves, or if he doesn't, do you don't see... say it, Matthew. Don't say it. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know. I kind of feel like if he goes anywhere, it'd probably be Minnesota. But do you see now that you actually dove into Booker's game and you know him just as well as the Suns fans do now? Do you see Booker or Carl Anthony Towns or even D'Angelo Russell as a number one, two, or three option on a championship contender? Because if you're getting these three together on the same team, do you think they have it in them to pull it off and maybe be a contender in the future? Um, you know, I, so I've grown up in Minneapolis my whole life. I've, I've lived in Boston for the last three years, going to school at Boston college. And so I know what it's like to be around a bunch of winners and I know what it's like to be around (laughs) and I know, and I know what it's like to be around a bunch of losers and everybody, you won't see a single soul in Minnesota tell you that they think that any Timberwolves team is going to contend for a title. But, but I think what people will say is that, um, putting those three together obviously gives them the greatest chance. I think that, mm-hmm. you know, I can't tell you how many comments I received, whether it be on the article or uh, on Twitter that just were replies saying, you know, 37 and 45 or 38 <laughs> and 44, or whatever, like stuff like that. And, and I think it's really easy to point to that and say like, Hey, the defense could be really bad. But the point that I also made when I, when I was on, um, 
a, a local podcast in Minneapolis, the Dane Moore podcast, podcast, which, which is a, which was a really fun listen for anybody that wants to, wants to hear more about it. But, um, you know, I think all three of those guys have carried such an enormous offensive load for their individual teams over the past, you know, three, four years, where mm-hmm. if you just play the numbers, you're going to have to spend more time or more, can conserve more of your energy playing offense than you do defense. And I mm-hmm. think all three of them together would allow them to play defense better uh, just because they'd be able to, you know, exert more energy on defense. But I think that, I think that going back to your original question of the one who, who can be the one, two, and three, I think that Devin Booker would probably be your go-to guy just because he's on the wing. And I think it's harder oh. to be a championship team if, if your primary option is, is a five guy. Yeah, um, yeah. And, you know, we haven't really seen too many teams. I mean, you can talk about the Spurs and Tim Duncan, but like that, I mean, the NBA has changed a lot even since then where it can be kind of tough if your five is your go-to guy. Yeah. Um, and so I think it would probably be Booker would have to be your one and Cat would have to be your two and then D'Lo would be your three. But I mean, any of those guys can go for 40 or 50 points yeah, on any true. night if they get hot. And and playing all three of them together, I think the chances of any of them just going off in any given night, whether it be in the playoffs or just a regular season game, I think grows exponentially. And and it, it's really how well that they would work and, and whether they could become a championship contender wouldn't depend on their offense but it would really depend on you know do they all have it in them to be able to flip that switch and play really good defense and if mm-hmm. and if they do um like I don't think D'Angelo Russell is ever going to be a positive def- an either a neutral or positive defender but like I think Devin Booker could be a positive defender if he just locks in more I think yeah. he's a pretty good yeah. on-ball defender when he locks in and I think it's easier to lock in when you're playing on-ball defense just because like there's more of a one-on-one aspect of it where you want to beat the guy that's right in front of you yeah um and, and I think the the whole cat defense narrative like yeah it's true to some to some extent but I also don't think he's quite as bad of a defender as people think he is and I also don't think Minnesota is using him the right way on defense but um, so, so yeah, I think that, I think, you know, I'm, I'm a little hesitant to say that they would be a championship contender just because I think Golden State is going to be really good for another three or four years. And then you also look at the Lakers and the Clippers and the Rockets and all those teams that have proven that they can be there and, and hang with, with anybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's going to be tough. It'd probably, it'd probably take three, four five years just so all of them are in their primes at the peak of their powers and, and used to playing with one another. But, um, but yeah, I, I ultimately don't think that that would result in a championship contender just because I think <laughs> you'd have not. to, get, you'd have to get, you'd have to get so many guys to want to come to Minnesota on cheaper deals to say like, Hey, I want to play around these guys. Yeah. And um, you know, as much as I love this city and, and like living here, um, yeah. I just think that trying to sell that to, so many guys would be would be really really tough mm-hmm. yeah well speaking of cat um suns fans before the trade deadline we were actually really excited for the suns to trade the whole team but booker for yeah. carl anthony towns that was one of the <laughs> one of our agendas was to get him on our team with booker because we could see that booker was really falling apart towards the trade deadline where he was trying his hardest to really win games and the team wasn't really there for him and we want a cat on the team. Um, do you think that Aiton, I, I mean, I don't know how much you've watched of DeAndre Aiton now that you've actually watched Booker. If you have any knowledge of DeAndre Aiton, do you think he can be as good as Carl Anthony Towns or maybe even better in the future? 
Um, I don't know. Okay. Um, and the reason why I say that is just because I think, I think, and, I, and I'm not just saying this because I'm, I'm a Wolves fan just trying to blow smoke up everybody's ass. But, <laughs> um, you know, I, I think the cat is, is going to be the greatest offensive big man in NBA history. But wow. At least, at least respect over, at least That's overall. I mean, them. obviously, I mean, <laughs> yeah. okay. We're not, we're not counting. We're not coming counting Wilt or Kareem just because I think that, that those oh, two guys yeah. are in, are completely in a league of their own, but, sure. um, but in terms of modern, mod, like the last 25 years, I think yeah. that he would be the greatest offensive big we've seen in the last 25 years. And the wow. reason being is because I think he's already the best shooting big of all time. He's very good in the post. He has very good hands. He's very quick off the dribble. Um, and, and I just think his offensive upside is way, way higher than anything DeAndre Ayton has just because I think Cat's a lot more athletic than DeAndre Ayton is too. Um, I think DeAndre Ayton's a much better defender right now, especially in the pick and roll. Like DeAndre Ayton grew and, and took huge strides, especially on defense this year mm-hmm. um, and, and what I did see from him. But, but uh, I, like, I think that DeAndre Ayton could be an all-star. I, I think that people are kind of giving up on DeAndre Ayton way too soon. And I think – it's unfortunate because of who who was drafted after yeah, him. Exactly. But, yeah. Um, which which is just kind of unfortunate. And and I can tell you all about guys being perceived differently because of who was drafted after them, especially from a Wolves fan's perspective. Um, but you know, I, I think Aiton's gonna be really, really good for a long time. I think he's gonna be a, a twenty two and ten guy for for probably the next decade. Uh yeah. but but no, I, I don't think that I don't think that he's gonna he's gonna quite come close to to cat uh just because cat is is a generational offensive talent well that's disappointing well it's like (laughs) to matthew's point you know i mean that's why we wanted him and of course then d'angelo russell goes to the wolves which you know that kind of set off fire alarms here in phoenix all of a sudden you know you've been hearing about it for years you know i think you called him the gen z3 i did yeah that's a great that's a great like i'm using that from now on like that's a great term for those three guys and they've been talking about wanting to play together forever they were on the cover of slam magazine and then of course you acquire that second piece and it's like all of a sudden all the fire alarms start going off here and yeah you know booker's in year one of a five-year deal and it's probably going to take a couple seasons of mediocre transactions by the Suns, which we're known to for doing anyways that might start to have him longing to pull the anthony davis and uh direct where he ends up going uh, but I, you know, I guess my last question for you, Jack, is how likely do you think it's actually going to occur? Probably not within the next year, but in the next three years that we see the Gen Z three playing together with Minnesota Timberwolves jerseys on. Um, I, I would probably put it at about 25%. Uh, the reason why I say that is because I think that the best opportunity that the Timberwolves would have to go out and get Devin Booker would be in the next four months. Okay. Uh, just from a logistics standpoint, I think that the easiest way to make it work would be if you have, if you had multiple sign in trades where you have Malik Beasley, um, ha- like Malik Beasley hasn't gone out and played under his new contract to a point where his, his trade value might go down because his play goes down a little bit after being paid a, a, a brand new, you know, $15 million a year contract or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I just think too, that, you know, the Wolves could have the number one pick in the draft this year. And once you start looking at next year, the Wolves probably won't have a pick unless it's in the top, I mean, unless it's in the top three. And then after that, I mean, it just come, it just gets harder to come up with assets. Uh, the yeah. more, the long, the longer the wait is, the harder the trade will become. And in a lot of, on a lot of different fronts, the financial aspect of it, also just the asset side of it where, you know, 
Phoenix has no obligation to trade Devin Booker whatsoever. If Devin Booker walks into James Jones' office and says, I'm, I'm out, I want out, James Jones laughs and says, hey, you've got four years left on your contract, <laughs> yeah. buddy. You're not going anywhere. Um, and so, you know, all those things are really stacked up against the Timberwolves. And I think that's why, you know, I've just been cautioning Timberwolves fans to really pump the brakes. This thing is not inevitable. Devin Booker, until this report, all, all signs were that he, he liked it in Phoenix and the core that I think this, the Suns are building around him with, with Bridges and, and Kelly Oubre Jr. I think are two really good wings to flank him. Um, and then obviously Aiton is, is a very good center. Um, and, you know, if they end up getting a Jeremy Grant or a Christian Wood this offseason, mm-hmm. I mean, that could be a sixth seed in the, sixth seed in the West. And, and that could that'd probably be a much better team than the Timberwolves would be next year. Um, so I think, the, I think the path to him winning is, is pretty clear right now in Phoenix. I think that that team isn't, isn't far away from being a, a continual playoff team. Um, and, and I just don't think the Suns are going to be bad enough to a point where Devin Booker says, Hey, I just can't stand it here. And I want to leave. Um, the reason why I say 25% is because, you know, I, I'm not in his head. He could, he could say, I want out and, and, you know, threaten to not play. And, you know, James Jones is a, you know, kind of a, a young GM with a lot of, without, excuse me, with, without a ton of experience yeah. um, could kind of succumb to that and, and say, all right, fine. And, and try and maximize the asset now. And, and he, and he could end up in Minnesota. I think if Devin Booker requests a trade to come to Minnesota, um, Rosas and, 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 and Sasha and Gupta are, are two head honchos here in the front office would, would make it happen at some point. Um, but I, I just, it's the, the logistics of it are so hard to, to figure out and come up with a, a slam, a slam dunk trade offer for, for Phoenix. I would, I mean, I think there's a higher likelihood of him getting traded to Boston or Oklahoma city than there are of him getting traded to Minnesota at this point. I hope you're right. (laughs) (laughs) And I think it would be better for you guys just because you'd get, you'd get way more in return from a team like that than, than you would from Minnesota. Yeah, true. Uh, I I know that we're tired of uh, building. We're trying, we're, we're trying to start winning finally. You know I mean? It's, uh, and I think with James Jones in the front office, you know, our culture started to finally change where people are like, Oh, Hey, uh, they're building something. They're not just perennially picking the number four pick badly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. and I think, and I think too, you know, if DeAndre didn't get suspended for 25 games, I think the Suns oh, yeah. would have been a playoff team this year, or, oh. or or close to it. I know that we wouldn't be, you know, the last team in living at the Yacht Club down there in Orlando. Uh, <laughs> one one quick thing before we let you go, Jack. Uh, how much do you miss? How much do you miss Ricky Rubio? Man, Cause, uh, cause I, miss, I love I miss, him. I I miss Ricky Rubio a ton. I think he he just had one of the most positive, infectious attitudes. Like, and I, and I loved watching him as a basketball player. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. but you never heard a bad word spoken about Ricky Rubio. He did so much for for so many people in the community in Minneapolis, especially especially people with breast cancer. Um, as we all know, what, yeah. um, how how he lost his mom a few years back was, was really, really hard for him. And to see him turn that into just trying to help and give back to as many people as he possibly can. I'm sure he's doing the same thing in Phoenix. Um, just seeing his smile and how much fun he had with people, people around him and how much better he made, he made a guy like Andrew Wiggins. Um, I mean, and Carl Anthony Towns was just, was just so fun to see in his, he just had such an infectious positive attitude and, and happiness about him that, that just made him such a joy to watch. And, 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 and is it, and is a reason why, you know, whenever I see the sun's on, I try and, 
I try and turn it on just because it's, it's, it's fun to, it's fun to see him. Um, but, but yeah, it was, it was definitely disappointing to, to go from, from Ricky Rubio to Jeff Teague, especially, yeah. especially what Jeff Teague oh, gave yeah. us last year for, for pretty much the same sticker price. So, uh, but no, I, I love Ricky and, it, and it's fun to see him, you know, playing with, playing with good, good talent down there. And I'm glad that, glad that he's not, you know, he's not suffering in, in some, you know, with some, <laughs> Yeah, really we're bad. Good team. care of him down here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The the Phoenix. I'm sure the Phoenix Sun is just doing wonders for his his Spanish glow. Too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, again, Jack, thanks for uh, joining us. You want to let everyone know where they can read you and follow you? Yeah, you guys can read my work over at canisupus.com. Uh, again, the SB Nation site for the Minnesota Timberwolves, uh, and you can follow me on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at jrborman13. That is jrborman13. Fantastic. Well, thanks again for joining us here on the Suns Jam Session podcast yeah, and uh, hold it down there in uh, Minnesota proper by way of Boston right now. So, <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good, guys. Thanks so much for having me. It was a great time. All right, thanks awesome. again, man. Take care, brother. Again, thank you to Jack Borman for hanging out with the Suns Jam Session podcast team. That's some fantastic insight. Uh, best of luck to him over there at Canis Hoopus. And best of luck to the Minnesota Timberwolves. They're a team that I've never truly had an animosity for. Kevin Garnett was somebody who was a tough competitor. Stephon Marbury, when he played for them, I always envied them until we got him. So it's just one of those teams that I feel have never really hurt my feelings. And it's nice to see that they have great people working over at Canis Hoopus. Don't you agree, Matthew? I totally agree, and it's nice to have someone that wants uh, Devin Booker as much and really knows his game just as well as any Suns fan. Every, he hit on pretty much everything that uh, the Suns fans say every day to themselves and to other fans where he kind of seemed like a Suns fan in a way, but <laughs> <laughs> really, really in-depth. Good stuff there. So Again, thank you, Jack. So there's a few other things that we want to talk about on this edition of the Suns Jam Session podcast. And the first thing I think we should talk about, especially considering we just spent, you know, quite some time talking Devin Booker, was how he came in on the ESPN predicting the best 50 players in Orlando list. Okay, so there were six ESPN NBA experts, and they each came up with their own top 50 rankings based on predicted on-court impact in both the seeding round and the playoffs. These are the composite results based on player scores across the six ballots, and Devin Booker came in number 31. Do you think that Booker deserves to be higher, Matthew? I really don't. The list is kind of just sporadic and a bunch of kind of role players, players that are like uh, the hustle players, so... Mm -hmm. It was a little different. It was just people that were really important to not even just the eight games uh, coming back, but to the future and to the tournament. Because when the tournament starts, a lot of players on this list will be playing into the tournament. But um, for Booker to be 31, I think that it's kind of perfect. It's right in the middle. So you don't really know if he's going to make the tournament. I mean, they have to play their asses off really to mm -hmm. get anywhere. So um, it'll be important if he makes it, but 31, I thought was a great spot for him. And I'm, I was kind of hoping to see DeAndre Ayton maybe on there because I saw Jaron Jackson Jr., but he actually was not on it. And I think the reason for that is DeAndre Ayton most likely isn't going to have an impact in Orlando past those eight games. He might have a great, you know, five, six games, but at the end of the day, hell, he can have a great eight games. But at the end of the day, it's going to be really hard for them to get to the playoffs. And this was a list that was predicting the best 50 players in Orlando, seeing as how they will impact the entire playoff picture. And yeah. DeAndre Ayton, as much as we love him and as much as we're looking forward to seeing him in Orlando, most likely he's not going to have that high of an impact. Devin Booker at 31, you, it always you know, kind of kicks you in the stomach a little bit just because you're like, well, hold on. I feel like this is a, a top 20 player in the NBA. 
But to that point, and and what you said is, you know, Sabonis for Indiana, he's going to have more impact on this because his team's actually in the playoffs. Jared Jackson Jr., as much as I am not a fan of how every list you see, it seems he gets more respect than DeAndre Ayton does. His team currently is seeded to make the playoffs, so he potentially has an opportunity to make more of an impact in Orlando than Ayton simply because he's going to be in that spot if they don't give it up to the Pelicans. So it was a nice list. Uh, I, I, I'm look, so looking forward to not talking about fucking lists anymore. Aren't you? Oh, hell yeah, dude. It's been too much lists. It's been <laughs> yeah. four months of lists. It's all we have. But I, I think these are always out there. It's just when you have the games going on, you don't pay too much attention to it. Mm-hmm. It's just when you're on Twitter, when you have the updates from Bleacher Report, it's always just a new list. It's nothing like a score of a game, a finish of a game, or a highlight. Or it's analyzation. Yeah, I like, I like analyzing basketball and saying, yeah. hey, here's what, I, here's what I saw. Am I seeing this right? Am I seeing this wrong? What are you seeing? Like, those are fun conversations that's why a conversation with jack borman is fun because we're actually analyzing game footage and talking about what we see out of a player versus like you know do you think this player is better than that player in this scenario (laughs) you know it's like okay if there's five guys who ordered taco bell in orlando who would those five be oh man why didn't rubio make the list like i'm just so tired of hearing these things so looking forward to basketball getting back here in you know less than two weeks the scrimmages start next week which is something i'm looking forward to just not because i'm looking forward to results or hustle or just to see a little bit of live basketball and see how these the team is looking together it's something more exciting to talk about than whether or not booker is going to be uh or how how impactful he's going to be in orlando yeah, but plus, like, this list, you can kind of go off of it when watching the games to see if really these players are that important. Uh, Montrez Harold actually is number 29 in here, too. Yeah. Where he, he left the bubble today, but he probably will be back by the time the playoffs start, which um, will help the Clippers. And he's one of those guys when, like, when the Suns play, he stands out very much so as one of the players that helped the Clippers on the hustle mm-hmm. end of the floor and just getting the rebound, being the nasty guy. So... Like players like that that are above Booker, it just makes sense for them to be just because they're going to be playing in the playoffs. Well, yeah, if they're the third or fourth wheel, they're more important than Booker because they're on a playoff team and they can really yeah. impact. Those are the guys who can swing a championship. The Montreal's Heralds of the league are the key guys, especially when you get down to conference finals and NBA finals. Those are the guys you need to be successful. That's why I think Mikel Bridges is somebody who's so intriguing to Suns fans because if and when that time comes where we're going to be playing in games that have meaningful minutes, the Mikael Bridges of the world are going to be the ones who are going to truly impact it. Booker's going to do what he's supposed to do. Aiden's going to do what he's supposed to do. But having Mikael Bridges come up and hit a, a couple big threes or have a couple huge defensive possessions is what's really going to swing potentially a series. And that's why these guys are rated higher than Booker on this list. Yeah, correct, man. Uh, so they got the list, I think, correct. And like you said, hopefully this is the last list, maybe one of the last lists we talk about on the podcast. Yeah, uh, I, I really hope so. I really hope so. <laughs> you don't sound too enthused. Well, it's because I know that we're going to talk about a couple more lists because we got yeah, a couple more weeks couple to more. go, <laughs> you know? I mean, because you got other things to talk about, and this is uh, the 10 bold, bold predictions for the NBA's regular season conclusion. This is coming from Grant Hughes via Bleacher Report, and one of his bold predictions is somebody goes 8-0, and then right yeah. under that is a picture of Devin Booker, and it pretty much says, like, listen, if the Suns come out and they somehow lose to the Washington Wizards, their playoff chances are pretty much done within the t- first 24 hours of the resumption of games in Orlando. Uh-huh. So if that's the case, what is the point of playing Booker? What is the point of playing DeAndre Ayton moving forward? And therefore, based on that, they think that the Suns are probably going to be that team that goes 8-0. How does that hit your ear? 
Do you mean O and eight? Oh yeah, I'm sorry. O and eight. Somebody yeah. goes O and eight. Did I say <laughs> no every time? Yeah. It's no, I'm... yeah, you did. Oh, it's man. fine though. We understood. <laughs> We're all with you on this one. I'm sure everyone even uh, talked about this one too as well. Um, so I mean, a lot of the media, they don't really understand that the Suns had a hard, tough season, even though I don't really give them the benefit of the doubt, but they were injured and they don't really know the way this team plays when they're healthy. But I like, I don't like hearing that they will go on eight, but it does make sense that they lose that first game against Washington. Things can go downhill mm-hmm. and I can real see fast. where, yeah, real fast to where it's like, ah, okay, well, I guess we kind of expected this, you know what I mean? So yeah. I expect them to go four and four, of course, but for one loss against the Washington Wizards, I would just rather them go into 0-8. Be like, you know, you guys don't even <laughs> deserve it in a way. But it could go, it could go different ways, just meaning like uh, the players could just be really exhausted, still not in shape. Like they're sore. Monte talked about how sore they were today because mm-hmm. they're really battling in practice. So that can be a reason too. I mean, they might just not have it in them to really get started or even finish the eight games. It's going to be very disappointing if July 31st comes around. We get all excited for that 1 p.m. game, and they get their asses blown out by a Bradley Beal-less Washington Wizards squad. That would be pretty – that would be a real kick in the nuts, if you will. I really hope that doesn't happen because they could go 0-8 right after that. I don't think it's going to happen. I think this team is too competitive. I think they have Monty Williams motivating them, saying, hey, even if you lose the first four, you're still here to prove something to yourselves. You don't need yeah. to prove anything to the league. You don't need to prove anything to the media. Go out and prove it to yourself. This is going to be top-tier competition you're playing against. Next season is not too far away. That's the other side of this. They're going to be playing in early August. You know, Within four months, they're going to be playing again pretty quick. That's going to come real quick on that calendar. It is. And if they're going to come in with a half-ass mindset or a, you know, hey, we got kicked, let's just stay down versus get back up and try to fight – you know, that's, that's going to be something kind of interesting to see as we move forward into the next season. You know, if you have some players that come out and half-ass it, uh, James Jones might you know, say, hey, man, peace. See, yeah, that, that helps the offseason. That helps us make decisions quicker if you're not giving the, um, the respect to the team with, with hustling and really trying to fight in these games, which you saw all year. So I don't expect any less. I really don't. Yeah. It's just, you know, I, from the outside, you can say this team will go 0-8, but we really don't think they will. Now, one question I do have for you, Matthew, is that picture that they have of Devin Booker with his hands open that they put on Bleacher Report. They're wearing those Suns jerseys. Yeah. Do you still hate those things? I do. I don't <laughs> – I never really hated them. I just didn't dislike them. I mean, I disliked them, but the only reason is because the sun is just too small. It's just something that was thrown together last minute. And the biggest reason I don't like them is because they got rid of the PHX ones, the black ones. Yeah. So they replaced those with the low suns. But just keep those instead of having this trash. Yeah. Well, hopefully they won't wear these in Orlando. No, they won't. (laughs) Uh, Another thing that came out on Bleacher Report that I wanted to talk about, and this is just because you love this guy so much, is uh, redrafting every NBA team's worst draft pick since 2000. Now, when you say that and you think of the Suns, there's a lot of bad draft picks if you go back and you look. Uh, Alex Len was kind of a miss. Dragon Bender was definitely a miss. Marquise Chris was a miss. You can even go far as far back and say, hey, like passing off Ricky Rubio and Luau Dang, if you could redraft, the Suns would probably just keep those guys and solidify their bench, and then those guys become starters as guys get a little bit older during the Steve Nash seven seconds or less era. But Zach Buckley of Bleacher Report gave the Phoenix Suns the opportunity to repick one draft 
that they fucked up in the past, you know, 20 years. And their pick, of course, was at number four in 2017, taking Josh Jackson. The redraft, in his opinion, would be taking De'Aaron Fox. I think we can easily agree on this, right? We can, but there's also the other option of where I believe the Suns had the option to trade for Kyrie Irving, too, with that draft pick. And a lot of people, everyone was really in on Josh Jackson. I don't think there was really one player or one person besides Dan Bickley who didn't want Josh Jackson and wanted to trade for Kyrie. So, yeah, De'Aaron Fox would have been great. And honestly, I kind of wish we do have him. Mm -hmm. Um, But the trade for Kyrie, too, is another way we could have went with this. So I think either one would have been kind of cool. It's just the way Kyrie kind of ended up uh, destroying the Celtics. That would have sucked. So you could have had that where Kyrie comes in, destroys the Suns, or else just have Josh Jackson. How could you destroy the Suns anymore? (laughs) I I mean, at that point, you bring Kyrie Irving. Like, what do you, what, what does he have to blow up at that point? You're right. And plus, he did not want to come here. That's, you know, well, I think we there's heard that, that whole part. Want, yeah. <laughs> but, um, I mean, you wanted De'Aaron Fox, too, I remember. And, yes. Um, Jason Tatum, I know, like, a lot of people when the draft started, there was only one analyst, and I cannot remember his name. He was really hyping up Jason Tatum at the time. I did not hear a whole lot about him. There was not a lot of people that were for getting this guy, and he ended up being the best player in the draft. But Josh Jackson, I felt like it was a solid pick. And it just turned in, didn't turn out that way. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate that it didn't because, I mean, it's the number four pick in the draft. And a really good draft, too. I, one thing that was exciting about that draft, at least for me personally, is I watched a lot of college basketball the season prior to that draft, knowing that the Suns were not playing well and that there was some top-tier talent coming out. So I was really kind of in tune with about the top 12 guys coming out in that draft. I had a really good understanding of who they were, what their – pluses were what their minuses were how they would fit with the team and I just remember Josh Jackson was somebody who I was never overly impressed with at Kansas he was a good player don't get me wrong and he was a good defensive player that's one thing that I liked but I felt like seeing as he was a wing it's not what really what we needed in that draft we needed guard play at the point guard position or somebody to play the center which we ended up getting the next year in DeAndre Ayton but I just remember going through that draft I was so excited for that that night i remember us hanging out having some beers watching it knowing that lonzo ball was going to go second seeing you know the the 76ers get markel fultz the everything played perfectly for um the boston celtics to take jason tatum at number three and then you know it still was a question we everyone kind of knew it was josh jackson but it's still a question it's like do you go De'Aaron fox but he was considered the second tier players josh jackson was that top tier player and that's yeah. who the Suns went with. And, you know, unfortunately, in hindsight's twenty twenty, And I really wish that we had gone with De'Aaron Fox. But, you know, you, we took Josh Jackson. Uh, we got Javon Carter out of the deal. So, I mean, I guess we did. Thanks. Yeah, thanks. And uh, we wouldn't have Ricky Rubio either. So Very that true. Would've, that would have sucked. I don't know if I can live without Rubio now. I know. Oh, gorgeous Rubio. Uh, one, another thing, you want to talk about Zion Williamson? He left the bubble, right? Yeah, so he left. Um something going on with his family. He, I guess it's medical reasons, not really anything released, but uh, the Pelicans executive vice president of basketball operations, uh, David Griffin, who is uh, very familiar with the Phoenix Suns. Yep, yep. He said out of respect for Williams family, he will not have any further comment on the time, but we fully support Zion's decision to leave NBA campus to be with his family. So something urgent happened and he left. Uh, so the way Zion approaches the game, he, 
he is trying to be the best, the greatest player, I feel like, in the NBA. For him to leave, something serious has to be going on. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of fr- freaking me out. Like I said, Montrez Harrell left today too. Yeah, so, the same thing, like family medical reasons. Yeah, like, it's just like, I don't, do you think they would release news that it's coronavirus based? I don't think they would. No, would they? They, they won't. But I mean, we could always assume that. Yeah, perhaps somebody in the family caught it. Perhaps it's one of his parents, his grandparents. And for those reasons, you know, they're going back and they're going to try to spend some time with them. Uh, Again, weird that both guys, that's kind of what's occurred. And I wonder if that's something that we're going to see more of moving forward. Maybe, um, because you didn't really hear about it when or before the bubble started, where I know Carl Anthony Towns lost his mother to Corona. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was all I really ever heard in the off in this uh, miniature off season that just happened to where family members of the players were impacted in a way. Um, but on his return, though, um, Kevin O'Connor posted on Twitter that when Zion returns to the NBA campus, he'll have to go through a 10 day quarantine. So the Pelicans aren't in the playoffs right now. So if he ends up coming back next week, he might be sitting out a couple of the eight games. True. So that impacts it a lot. That's, so yeah, kind of, that's big. Yeah, not to not to like look at this in a good way or not or anything, but the Suns. This does impact the Suns in a way to where um, they don't have or the Pelicans don't have Zion. So that helps the Suns' chances of getting to the playoffs a little bit. Just because I don't know. I know the Suns don't play the Pelicans, but the Pelicans can lose a couple games without Zion to help the Suns. Well, it's tough because you need the Pelicans to beat some of the teams that you're chasing, but at the same time, because you're chasing the Pelicans, you need them to lose some too. So maybe this will work in their favor. Again, it's unfortunate. You never want anybody to leave the bubble in this situation. You don't want to sit there and pick it apart. Well, Hey, this is how it benefits the Suns. But at the end of the day, this is how this benefits the Suns is if he does have to do the quarantine and he comes back and it takes like what seven days prior to his return he's got to take he's got to have false negatives he needs four mm-hmm. days up after his return for false negatives or not not false Does that that makes sense false negative yeah so false negatives <laughs> not not false negatives just negative tests false negatives which are positives <laughs> what the fuck am i saying here let me hold on let me drink this all right now now that makes more sense uh but yeah if they come out and they lose the first you know three or four games and eventually start be knocking off some teams. I mean, it could somehow impact their strategy to get in. At the end of the day, it's TCOB for the Suns, man. They got to take care of business. You got to win your games and hope that everything goes in, in your favor. We know it's probably not going to happen. We know most likely we're just going to get eight more games out of the Suns season. And then it starts to, you know, it's time to start watching the playoffs and enjoying those and looking at the draft and seeing yeah. where. Uh, you know, the Suns fall. I think August 25th is kind of the day in which they're going to have the NBA draft lottery. And if the Suns don't make the playoffs, that's when we're going to find out where we fall and what we should do with that pick, AKA trade it. Yeah. Uh, if Zion's out though, I mean, that's a big miss for me just because I'm excited to watch him play oh, yeah. the Pelicans. Cause if the Suns, of course, when they don't make the playoffs, I want the Pelicans to, uh, to enter the playoffs as the eighth seed and play the Lakers. Cause that would, that would be an amazing matchup. Oh, yeah. I mean, we talked about in the last podcast, like, what team are you looking forward to seeing? Yes. If it's not the Suns, it's the Pellies, man. Like, I want to see that team. I want to see Zion. I want to see a Zion versus uh, LeBron matchup, just like everybody else on the planet Earth does. So, I mean, and that's got to suck for, like, Memphis. Like, you're just trying to hold on and, get, you know, get into the playoffs, and everyone's like, listen, can you just move, bitch, get out the way? We want to see yeah. Zion versus LeBron instead of Ja Morant versus Alex Caruso. 
<laughs> no, you're totally right, man. <laughs> well, speaking of the off season, cause that's, you, you know, it's going to be here before you know it. Um, they were talking about again on Bleacher Report, the perfect 2020 NBA free agent for every team. And like another one of these lists, hopefully we don't have very many more of these, but I actually was kind of surprised with who they thought was a good fit for the Suns. Mm. They were saying Evan Fournier from the Orlando magic is somebody who would fit great with the Suns if he opts out of the contract that he has with the magic. He has a, he's a restricted free agent or he has an opt in this year for $17 million with the magic. And if he chooses not to opt in, he puts himself out on the market. And this is not someone that you and I have really talked about extensively in the past when it comes to talking about the free agent acquisitions. What are your thoughts on Evan Fournier? Not too much of a sexy pickup. I know he's averaging what, a little over 18 points a game. Yeah. Good three-point shooter. Um, just no one that really sticks out. Um, for me, he they suggest a four years, $80 million. Yeah. If we're going to pay him that, you might as well just pay Kelly right now. Just extend his contract or just wait till the end of next offseason and have him come back. Amen. Because he, he basically brings a lot more to the team than Fournier does. Uh, so, I mean, if the Suns were to sign him or pick him up in this free agency – do you see them throwing him that much money and then also putting him in the, on the starting lineup or coming off the bench? Because he's been a starter yeah, pretty much his whole career. So I don't think he's going to want to come off the bench. I just don't see him. This no, is he, not a sexy pick at all. He, I mean, he's a, he's six foot seven, so he could play that three if need be, but he's a yeah. two. He's definitely a two. You look at his usage percentage with the Orlando magic. It's primarily playing the two guard position and he had a great year. He's somebody who, uh, statistically is growing and he's somebody who is going to, if he does opt out of his contract, be a sexy pick for a team. For us, it's not sexy because we don't need it to. I could use a backup to, but I'm not going to pay my backup to $20 million a year. Uh, one thing that I would found interesting is when I went through and I did a little research on him, whenever I find these things out, I go to those fan pages. Like, so I went to the SB nation, Orlando pinstriped something. That's the name oh, of theirs. Nice. Like, you know, we're bright side of the sun. They're Orlando pinstriped post. That's what they're called. And okay. a lot of their feedback on Evan Fournier was he's a solid scorer. Like you said, good three point shooter, but he's very uh, shitty in the clutch. And I was like, Oh, that's exactly what we need is another two guard who has a hard time under <laughs> five minutes. And they, you know, they're like, Hey, you know, he, he's a good player. He's a good member of the team, but he's, really shitty under five minutes with in, with teams in between five points and i'm like okay well we, we got Devin booker for that we don't need him fournier to come off the bench and uh spell booker in bricking threes when they matter so it was an interesting uh pick maybe you know sun's jamsters if you want to provide some feedback on what you think of evan fournier and you think he fits let us know but i don't see it i don't see it either Good suggestion, good player to look into, but just something that doesn't fit. And, and it was nice. Yeah, exactly. It was nice to see a, a different name there because, you know, like yeah. the Jeremy Grants, uh, the Nil Danilo Gallinari's, you know, those are names that yeah. we're used to kind of seeing. There is another member of the Magic I'd rather have, and that's Aaron Gordon, but that would also obviously come via trade. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. you know, it was, it was interesting and kind of fun to look at a different name and kind of get an understanding as to why. They really, even in the article, they didn't give really good reasons. They're just like, hey, he can score. I'm like, okay, cool, man. Yeah, it wasn't the best reasoning. <laughs> no, not really, not really. Uh, we do have a dumb trade of the week. 
And this actually comes from a, another Bleacher Report article. Shout out to our Jamster listener, Jonathan Che, for forwarding this to us. There was an article that said, Desperation trades to get NBA's worst 10 teams to the 2021 playoffs. And they, they were just so, again, these are desperation trades. Most likely yeah. not going to happen. But they're just saying, hey, if you do this, you might end up in the playoffs. And they said the Phoenix Suns would get Draymond Green in a lottery-protected 2022 first-round pick. And the Warriors would get Kelly Oubre and Mikel Bridges. This is a dumb trade. Are they trying to say this trade's going to put the Suns in the playoffs or get Golden State back to the playoffs next year when they're going to be there anyways with Steph and Clay? I Like, we give Kelly yeah. Oubre and Mikel Bridges – to Steph and Clay and the rest of the squad up there in Golden State, and they're going to the playoffs another five straight years, potentially winning conference championships. We get Draymond Green at the back end of his career, you know? Well, I mean, he's uh, middle of his career, but he's beat up. He's not going to have the same athleticism. We've already seen it in the last two years of him slowing down, not being as productive. I mean, why the fuck would the Suns do this one? I don't know. It. Golden State, good for them because they seriously they can trade Draymond and get so much back, and this is a lot. Kelly Oubre with Mikel Bridges because oh, yeah. usually we just want to part ways with maybe one of them, maybe one of them, maybe being Kelly Oubre, yeah. mostly because he's always mentioned as a trade bait. But honestly, I kind of liked it a little bit only if it wasn't the Golden State Warriors. Like if Draymond played for a team like I know Toronto just won the championship, but if they played for like if he played for like Toronto and we traded Kelly Oubre and Mikel. I'm like, oh, that's cool. I would like them to succeed with Toronto. And then we get Draymond. I think he would really help this team with the Suns. I, I kind of liked it a little bit, just a tiny bit. Only, the only reason I didn't like it too much is because it's from Golden State. And I don't and want them just, to continue their success. You're, yeah, you're tired of them because you winning know, all the time, right? Yeah, you, you, yeah, and you plug these two guys into their system, they're going to they're gonna excel to the highest, the fullest way they can. And that's what's so frustrating. But um, I, I kind of feel like Draymond is one of the biggest trade targets the Suns are trying to trade for. I really, really? think that's going to be – I think so. I keep seeing a lot about it. And I know that I think Draymond kind of run out, is running out of time with Golden State to where they need to figure something else out to continue their championship success. Maybe he's the answer still, but I think they want to get somebody else or maybe a couple players like Kelly and McKell in there, which would plug those holes really well. Absolutely. It would be, like I said, it'd be a great trade for the Golden State Warriors. <laughs> yeah. It would decimate the Suns, and here's why. It would. He, his contract is enormous, okay? He's 30 years old right now, and he's making 20, po- 20, poop. 20 poops. poops. <laughs> <laughs> $22.2 million a year. And he's going to make 24 the next year, 25 the next year, 27 the next year. That's the 2023-24 season. He becomes an unrestricted free agent in 2024. So what you're saying is the Phoenix Suns give up Mikael Bridges, who has a very manageable contract, Kelly Oubre, who's got an expensive contract but expires at the end of next season, and they take on – Draymond Green's contract, which is close to Booker's. I mean, he's making like five, four or five million dollars less than Booker. I mean, that's going to restrict them signing DeAndre Ayton to a big deal. That's going to, and by the time, by the way, he becomes a free agent, he's like 34 years old. I mean, it just, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't benefit the Suns in a way that would provide long-term success. You might get one last decent year out of him, but then you're stuck with a massive contract that's really hard to move for an aging NBA player. Meanwhile, young Kelly uh, Oubre and even younger Mikael Bridges are up in Golden State helping them continue that run. I just, 
That's why it's called Dumb Trade of the Week. Because it's dumb, man. It's dumb. Ah, see, I, I, I think Draymond has like four or five good years in him to help a team really. really yeah, he's a plus, hustle guy. I know, I know, I know, but I know we keep talking about DeAndre Ayton being signed in a couple years to a bigger contract, but mm-hmm. we had to make a move someday just with some guy making a lot of money. And honestly, it probably isn't going to be as much as we're going to pay someone else maybe. So but, I'm just saying we got to hit I, on somebody. I look at Draymond Green as more of a Rodman type of player. He is yeah. he is a hustle player. He is an attitude player. He is a rebounder. He is a decent scorer. Decent, okay? This year, he averaged Fairly, eight yeah. points a game. Last year, fine. seven points a game. The year before that, 11, 10, 14. I mean, he's a guy who is not producing on the offensive end. Granted, he assists you defensively, but his legs are going to start to go, and he's going to be less and less productive. Why yeah, give Mikel Bridges for somebody who's going to do this for you? Mikel Bridges' numbers are equal to Draymond Green's. Now, I'm not saying that he's Draymond Green in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. You know, from a confidence, from an attitude standpoint, from a swag standpoint, Draymond Green is leaps and bounds. I mean, he's a three-time all-star. But moving yeah. forward, he's not going to help this team get to that next level. He's going to prevent it by clogging the, the contracts and not allowing us any flexibility. Yeah, but he also makes up for those close games that we lost this year, which there were many. I can't even count how many we had. True. He's the difference in those. And he honestly, that's why the thought is here with him being traded to the Suns to help him get over the hump, get into the playoffs. And then maybe he can be a trade piece later on down the line for someone else. I just think it would be cool to see him on the team. I know we would give up Mikel, but here we go again with like Mikel Bridges. It's like it's, he's a Suns fan favorite. We see potential, but then how long yeah. do we have to wait for that? And At then least Kelly Oubre, like how much. Yeah, and then how much can we expect from Kelly Oubre to help the team win? I'm just saying, like, this is – that's the thought I had with this. Just, like, you're instantly probably going to be a playoff team if you put Draymond on this team and take those two out. That's what I think. And to get LaMelo Ball in the in the draft. Well, it's <laughs> – yeah, yeah. Well, that would be fantastic. Yeah. And, again, they, you know, it's like a 2022 yeah, lottery-protected pick. Like, I don't hey, know. Hey, maybe, yeah. Maybe – yeah, I don't know. All you right. Know. So, if they're not in the lottery – anyways. Uh, well, that's good. It's nice to disagree with you on something. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. All right. Well, let's see if we uh, disagree on this. This is a mailbag question. It's time for time for the Suns Jam Session Mailbag. Brought to you by Fries Food and Drug. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> brought to you by every place that requires you to wear a mask. So everywhere, wear a mask. Don't be an asshole. All right. So uh, here's our question. It comes from Anju Arun, and he says, "Rank the Suns backup power forwards slash centers from best to worst." So Frank right. Kaminsky, Czech Diallo, Dario Saric, Cam Johnson, Aaron Baines. From best to worst, Matthew, what's your list? We'll Ooh. see if it coincides with mine. All right. So my list, I start off with Aaron Baines. I really do. All right. So um, we agree there. Great backup. You have mm-hmm. to have some guy like him on the bench. Mm-hmm. Uh, second, I'm going to put Dario Saric there. I love Saric so much. I know he looks like an old guy, but is young. Monte talked about how. He came back a little bit thinner and uh, is really trying to get in better shape. So yeah. I want to see a better shape Dario. Maybe that would be even better than a Baines. All right, so far uh, we're two for two. Two for two. So number three, uh, Cam Johnson. Okay, that's where we disagree. Okay. Number four is uh, Frank Kaminsky. Okay. And then Czech Diallo. All right. That's so, my list. All right, so I agree with everything, but I have Frank Kaminsky above Cam Johnson. Okay. Just because yeah. Frank, I feel, brings a little bit more versatility in his game right now. Cam Johnson, I'm not, you know, he is 
I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing him because one, he's going to have an opportunity with Kelly Oubre out and two, they're saying he had 10 to 15 pounds of uh, bulk to him during the pandemic. But I just feel like Frank Kaminsky has a little bit more versatility, a little bit more experience. Cam Johnson's a better shooter, but Frank Kaminsky can do a little bit more just because Cam, that's all he's doing is shooting. You know, he gained a little bit of confidence at the back end of the year when he started taking the ball to the hoop a couple more times, and it was exciting to see. But until he does that regularly and with confidence, I feel like Frank's got the upper hand on him. Yeah, see that little bit of confidence I feel like is more than what I see in Frank. So I would take that over. God damn it, I'm so tired of disagreeing with you. <laughs> well, I'm just trying to let out your frustration, you know? you gotta. I can hear it inside of you. I'm trying to get it out of you. <laughs> I'm boiling, man. I'm boiling. <laughs> Well, again, you know, thanks, Anju, for that question. Remember that you can email the show, session at gmail.com or leave comments at sunsjamsession.com, and we're happy to read them on the show. They're always great to, uh, you know, good debate topics for yes. us. So, Especially today. Yeah, especially because we're disagreeing on shit today. So <laughs> uh, that's all I really got. Do you have uh, anything new you're watching? What's, what's going down in the house of Matthew Lissy? Oh man, the house, it's just nothing's going on really. There's nothing good to watch. So I'm Are you bored anything. in the house and in the house bored? I'm not, you know, I'm not too bored. Usually when I get home, you know, uh, focusing on the podcasting, writing, that's really it. And then sometimes playing some Call of Duty, a couple games, just getting my ass kicked and turn that off. <laughs> I still play Call that. of Duty. I haven't played that in about a week, maybe a week oh, and really? a half. Okay. Yeah. Just been busy, you know, work's going great. Uh, watching some things. I started watching Showbiz Kids last night. That's something that uh, Bill Simmons was talking about on his podcast. Oh, I want to watch that. Yeah. So, so What's far, it I mean, it's on HBO. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so far, I mean, I only watched probably about the first 30 minutes. I think it's an hour and a half or two hours uh, documentary about a lot of kids who were in showbiz and kind of what their journeys were and not your typical narrative of just, you know, crash and burn, but just kind of what the experience was like when they were actually in it. So, uh, they talked about it on the Bill Simmons podcast. I didn't realize that the director is actually from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Yeah, he's the yeah. other guy, right? Yeah, he, he's, he's the non-Keanu Reeves guy. Yeah, okay. Alex, Alex Peters, I think, is, is his yeah. name. So, so far, I mean, I've been watching that. And again, same thing, you know, just writing and potting, man. You know, getting excited yeah. for the Suns team to come back. There's a lot going on every day in the bubble. The stories are great. Did you watch Matisse Thibel's, um part three? No, I didn't. I'm oh, going to watch good. it right now. Enjoy then. that, man. It's good. I, yeah, I subscribed to it, so I was waiting for an update. But... It's great, man. Like, he's talking. Right. He's like, dude, like, I'm on the New York Times, or the, I've got a call with the New York Times and the Los Angeles Times. Like, everybody's watching this shit. This is awesome. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah. This is what people want. This yes. is, dude, I, he is so smart and such a genius for doing this. Yeah, he's putting his name out there. I mean, this is fantastic. So, again, good I know we, we talked about it a lot on the last, last podcast. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk about it again. I mean, go watch Matisse Thibel's YouTube. It's 11 minutes. It's quick. It's easy. It's, it it would have been great for Quibi. The, the failed streaming service that started right before the pandemic started where they're like, everything's going to be on your phone. It's going to be seven minute episodes. That was it. Oh. So, so uh, but yeah, that's, uh, that's what's been going down with me. And, you know, hopefully all the sun's jamsters are staying safe out there. We appreciate you again for press and play. Make sure you subscribe to the bright side of the sun podcast network. Uh, go visit brightsideofthesun.com. That's where you can read both Matthew and Mai's articles pertaining to the Phoenix suns and whatever we feel like writing. You know, you can follow me on Twitter, Matthew. They can follow you. I'm Matthew Lissy. And uh, that's all I got to, I got to say this week. I'm going to go grab a beer. Take care, everybody. Take care of each other. Yeah. Everyone stay home and love your family. Amen.